Welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good evening so far. Um, we are tonight on the fourth part of our series. <laughs> Thank you very much, Philip. Um, uh, we're in the fourth part of our series, Sex, Drugs and Sausage Rolls. We've been looking at our appetites as human beings um, and saying, actually, appetites are innately a good thing, but we've got to be careful how we use them. Um, we can use them uh, to love people um, or uh, in ways that are more harmful, that are a bit more dangerous. So uh, we've been anchoring that in this verse from James. This is James chapter 2, verse 8. It says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And so we've essentially, uh, to, to put it in other words, we've said it like this. Appetites plus love equals happiness. Um, but our appetites minus love lead to emptiness. Um, and last week, you know, we've looked at my um, appetites for sex, um, how that works in relationship. Last week... Kate looked at our appetites for pornography. Um, really amazing talk. Um, head over to our YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it, head over to our YouTube channel. Whilst you're there, subscribe. The buttons, if you're watching online, the button's there. Or there. Or there. One of those two sides. You'll, you'll get it anyway. But for you people here in real life, um, uh, she did this incredible talk on porn. She was really open, really vulnerable, uh, shared some of her own experience. I really recommend um, that you watch that, make it a priority, listen to it on the podcast, watch it on YouTube. Um, but one of the things that she said was that when we use porn um, or when we're in addiction to that kind of stuff, it works in our brain in a very similar way to when we misuse or are addicted to drugs or alcohol. So that's what we're looking at tonight. We're looking at our appetite for drugs and alcohol. Now, about four years ago, I did a talk very similar to this, and we posted on our Instagram, tonight we're talking about, you know, especially as a student, living in student culture, how do you not take drugs, and how do you not get stuck into that? And um, someone who is a bit further on in years uh, just commented back, it's easy, you just don't do drugs. <laughs> um, and it's, it's not really that simple, is it? Um, in Bristol, not just for students, for all of us. Uh, drugs are, real, are a real, um, ever-present part of our nightlife scene here, of the kind of recreational life that we live. And the Tab, which is an online student magazine of, you know, questionable repute, but still uh, do this thing called the Annual Drugs Survey. And the last one they released, Bristol came out on top, and they described Bristol as the home of drugs. So uh, they surveyed 11,000 students and... Uh, of UE students, 82.3% had taken MDMA at some point in their university study. Um, and UE was number one in, uh, in the UK for taking MDMA. And Bristol University wasn't far behind that either. And, uh, you know, that is a slightly questionable publication. But actually, when we look at the, uh, the kind of more solid data, the European Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction um, do a, a similar, uh, also quite different drugs report, which is a little bit more grounded in science and facts. Um, and they found actually this year, Bristol was the cocaine capital of Europe, beating Amsterdam, Berlin, all these kind of, uh, these places that we think of as the kind of, uh, the stronghold of hedonism and drugs and all these things. Actually, in Bristol, it's, it's even worse. We have a real problem with this. So naturally, it's something that, as the church, we need to be talking about. We need to be addressing that. Now, it could be that um, you're someone who has a real, uh, maybe you take stuff regularly. Maybe you've got a bit of a problem. Maybe you're aware of that. And you're a little bit worried. You're thinking, ah, oh, flip, these Christians are going to judge me, say I'm bad. 
not at all. We're here to love you. Um, there's no condemnation in Christ. There is love and forgiveness. So um, you don't need to worry about that. But we are going to look at some of the facts around it. We're going to look at the science around it, but we're also going to look at wisdom from the Bible. It might be here that also, you know, you never touched anything like that in your life. You think, oh, flipping heck, no, that's not me. I'm a good Christian boy or girl. But actually, you've got no problem um, going out on the weekend with your, uh, your teammates from your sport, your colleagues, your hallmates, whatever, and getting smashed. And you don't see that as uh, something that kind of uh, is, uh, doesn't go hand in hand with your Christian faith. Again, we're going to look at some of the wisdom the Bible has on that, as well as some of the facts, some of the science. So tonight... I want to look at that through the lens of uh, the book of Ephesians. So the ancient city, well, it's still there today in Turkey of Ephesus, um, is a city very much like Bristol. So a population of about 300,000, a port city, um, very liberal, permissive, hedonistic society. You'd have seen them trotting off to, you know, Lakota, Motion. They had all the big festivals, Love Saves the Day, Agape Saves the Day, obviously they knew it as, um, back in those times. Yes, we like ancient Greek jokes. I'll make a note of that for later on. Come up with a few more of them. Um, But the context of this book, Ephesians, Paul, one of the leaders of the early church in about 60 AD, was writing to the Christians in this context, trying to give them a bit of guidance, a bit of wisdom on how to live wisely and lovingly in that sort of society. And before we launch into that, one of the things I just want to, I want to flag this up is if you're not a Christian here today, you're free to engage with this at whatever level you feel comfortable. Um, you know, there's no pressure on you to think or feel or do anything a certain way. You can just kind of take it in and, and see what you think. But I think that what we're going to look at tonight is at very least interesting and at most it's totally life changing. So let's look at that scripture. So this is Ephesians. And um, Paul's writing to the Christians in Ephesus, and he says this, For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that's illuminated... Sorry, can we just go back to that? There we go. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing, make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about how Paul addresses that is he's speaking into this um, this slightly crazy culture, but he doesn't point a wagging accusatory finger. He doesn't say, flipping heck, you people are messed up. The stuff you're doing, you're getting involved in this. There's none of that at all. It's he, he, he talks about being wise. He asks questions. He says, actually, how can we be wise? You know, how can we be uh, wise, not unwise? How can we make decisions about our appetites that are going to 
end well for us. So that's how I want to speak into this culture that we're in today with the way that we treat drink and drugs in Bristol today. And whether you're a young professional or a student, whatever you are, um, we still have the same issues with this. You know, when I was a student, I remember thinking, well, my friends are doing all these drugs now, but once we're grown-ups and we got jobs, they'll kind of get over it. But then you realize when you become a young professional, you just got even more money for drugs. So <laughs> it doesn't quite, <laughs> doesn't quite work that way. Um, so this is an issue for all of us, as, as something I'm sure of. So the first thing I want to think of is... How do we make decisions that are wise when it comes to the way we treat our appetites for drugs and alcohol? So we want to be wise, we want to be loving. First one, how do we be wise? So let's look at the, the, um, the kind of the terrain for us at the moment in Bristol. One of the most popular party drugs at the moment um, is MDMA, methylene deoxymethamphetamine. So it's a drug that essentially works by um, pouring out the bucket of all your brain's happiness in one big go. So it triggers your serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Sorry if there's any um, norepinephrines here tonight, if I pronounce your name wrong. Sorry about that. Um, and yeah, so it empties out your brain's buckets of happiness in one big go, so you've got nothing left. So that's why if you're at a rave or something, you see, you see someone you know, maybe from work that you've never really spoken to, or a course mate who you've never spoken to, and all of a sudden they're really, really keen, they're really glad to see you, really keen to get that coffee that you've literally never said you want to have with them. It's because they're so happy and overwhelmed with joy at life. But the problem is that that then means you've got nothing left. So that's why the next day um, you'll almost always have a, a big low, a massive come down. Um, which can have kind of serious depressive symptoms, often as, as just as serious as um, kind of uh, proper depression. It, it, it's, it's pretty bad, and that's if you have the good stuff. Now, one of the things that worries me most um, about MDMA in particular um, is the fact that people think they're getting MDMA. So MDMA, methylene deoxymethamphetamine, is the pure chemical. That's the, you know, the thing that's making you feel great. But the reality is you're almost never going to get MDMA. What you're getting is ecstasy. Now, ecstasy is anything else mixed with MDMA. So that can be, uh, it can be uh, caffeine. Uh, often it's stuff like sand or salt or tiny bits of glass to make it heavier, make it seem better. Um, and so ecstasy uh, was a drug that was popular in the 90s in, in pill form, um, but it led to tons of deaths. So it became really unpopular. There's this big campaign against it, lots of stuff in the news, and people kind of accepted, this is really dangerous, we need to not do ecstasy. Um, but what's happened is, it's come back into fashion, but it's just rebranded re as MDMA, despite the fact that what you're getting when you pay for MDMA almost certainly isn't MDMA. Now, the strength of MDMA is another thing that has, has worried me as well. So in 20, 2009, uh, the average strength of an MDMA pill or some powder that you would buy, is uh, about 30 milligrams. By 2014, that was six, uh, sorry, 100. And last year, Greater Manchester Police um, were reporting finding some pills that were as strong as 300 milligrams. And because of that, in 2017, there were 56 deaths because of MDMA. Uh, in 2018, there were 92. And we haven't got the data yet for 2019, but we can almost, we can almost certainly assume it's going to be going up and up again. Uh, let's look at another party drug that we love here in Bristol. We've seen Bristol is the, the cocaine capital of Europe. Um, and cocaine, you take cocaine, in the 24 hours you take it, you're 23 times more likely to have a heart attack than, any other, than at any other point. And uh, the, again, like we heard from Hannah's story, there's all sorts of um, symptoms that come along with that. Um, anxiety, depression, um, you know, in some extreme cases, suicidal tendencies. 
But actually, it's not kind of just straight up cocaine that worries me the most. The thing that really worries me um, is when it combines with alcohol and it makes this new chemical, which is called cocaethylene. I wrote that wrong, sorry, my bad. It's actually called cocaethylene. Um, what happens is you've got the depressant of alcohol and the stimulant of cocaine, and they come together and they have this war inside of you, and it creates this new chemical called cocaethylene. Now, I won't go into all the absolute tiny detail. You can look it up for yourself. It's all out there online, not hard to find. But one of the reasons it's particularly dangerous is because it extends the uh, period of time um, through which it's kind of active in your body. So when you mix the two together, you are far more likely, that, uh, and this is just to be frank here, this isn't judgment, this is fact, you're far more likely to die. So um, it's now thought that the most common cause for drug-related death in the UK is cocaethylene, is mixing cocaine and alcohol together. It's incredibly dangerous, so we need to be careful about that. Even stuff like um, uh, cannabis. The World Health Organization said that um, the stuff that's kind of illegal that we buy and sell here in the UK, it's never been stronger, which is incredibly dangerous. And again, mixed with all sorts of stuff that we just don't know. So if we want to be wise, we've got to be smart about what we're putting in our bodies. You know, I, I remember talking to my friends, they're saying, well, you know, we trust our dealer. We know he or she's not going to do anything unwise. We know they know what they're getting. But actually, if they're selling you, for instance, MDMA and not knowing what's in it, then are you really making a wise decision as to what you're putting in your body and who you trust? Now, it might be that you're sat here and uh, maybe like me, I'll be honest, I'm just boring Christian all my life, never done anything particularly naughty, never done any illegal drugs. Um, but actually, maybe you're like me, but the way I act or you act on the weekend when it comes to alcohol, it doesn't really line up with what we heard Paul say in Ephesians. So he says it really clearly, there's no getting around it, that we need to not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, one of the things I've noticed at the moment is, as Christians, we love to talk about how we're not hypocrites. Excuse me, just take a little water. Oh, refreshing. Um, unlike alcohol, no. Uh, <laughs> where was I? Someone remind me. There we go, thank you very much. Yeah, we love to talk about how we're not hypocrites. And one of the accusations that's leveled at Christians every now and then is, oh, you say this, but you do that. You say this, you do that. You say you love these people, but you do that. And especially a church like us, a young church like Metro, we'd have to say, no, we're here in love. Uh, the message of Jesus is a message of love and acceptance for all people, and that's totally true. Um, but the reality is, if the Bible says you shouldn't get drunk on wine, we'll be filled with the Spirit, and we do, then we're hypocrites. And maybe for some of us, we need to kind of think through that a bit more fully. It says, you know, being filled with the Spirit. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that the fruits of the Spirit, so what comes from it is love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, self-control, gentleness. Am I really exercising any of those things when I'm drunk off my face? Am I making wise decisions about my relationships with people, even about the food, the junk food that I put in my body after a night out? Is that helping me make wise decisions? So, Whilst alcohol is legal, we need to be wise about the decisions that we make about that. But with some of the other stuff we've spoken about, cocaine, weed, whatever it is, um, at the moment, that's illegal. Now, if you're not a Christian, it's kind of your prerogative here that you get to choose what you do with that knowledge. Uh, you can choose to obey or disobey the law. That's up to you. Um, but for those of us who are Christians, again, the Bible's really clear. Peter writes to the church in Rome and says, look, you need to obey the emperor, the, the law of the land. 
just no matter what, you know, okay, fine, you know, as long as you're uh, not being fully stopped from living out your life and just doing your own thing, just you, we just need to stick by the law, guys. And that's crazy when you consider that he's in a city where Christians are literally getting crucified for being Christians. And still in that context, he's saying that. So for those of us who are Christians, we don't really get a choice in this. If we really want to follow the example that Jesus is giving us, then we need to follow the law. And the reality is that right now, those drugs are illegal. Now, it might be that you have a totally legitimate reason you think, actually, I think this or that should be legalized or decriminalized. And that's fine. I, I'm 100%. I think that's fine. But the reality is right now, they're illegal. And if you want to, you know, you disagree with World Health Organization or the European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction, then fine, go on a march, do whatever. But right now, it's illegal. And um, it's the Ill illegality of this stuff that sometimes leads to the biggest problems with it. And so we need to make wise decisions, and it's that that informs how we can also be loving. So that's the second point I want to make about how we, uh, how we treat our relationship with drugs and alcohol. We need to be loving as well. As I just said, this stuff is illegal, and when stuff is illegal, unfortunately, means there's big money to be made in it. And in this case, it's almost always the poor, powerless, vulnerable, and needy that suffer the most because of it. That's, that's reality. Uh, some of you might remember over Christmas, we raised well over £3,000 for a charity called Beloved, uh, who work with women who uh, quite often have been trafficked in the sex industry, working in brothels. And you might think, well, what's that got to do with it? Well, the reality is that there are tons of people who are trafficked into our country, into the UK, into England, into Bristol, because of our desire for uh, illegal drugs. That's, that's the reality. There's a story in BBC News this, uh, I think it was Monday, or maybe it was earlier in the week, the, later in the week, last week, um, about a boy who was trafficked from China. He was an orphan, uh, taken off the streets, and trafficked to the UK to work in an illegal cannabis farm. And as punishment for ever stepping mildly out of line or complaining, he would have a bucket of boiling hot water poured over himself. That's in BBC News. Just look it up. It is there. This is fact. This is the reality we have to contend with. There's a price that comes sometimes with our desires. And uh, let's look at, for instance, something like cocaine. Um, most of the cocaine that in the UK we consume comes from either uh, Colombia or Mexico. Now, in Mexico, there were 164,000 homicides between 2007 and 2014. And the vast majority of that is down to organized crime, the cartels that operate there. And their number one trade is, is cocaine. So there's a big price that comes with that. Now, um, the, what I'm about to read is a little bit shocking. Um, so do brace yourselves um, if you're a little bit sensitive. Sorry, if I could just get a little bit of help with this again. Um, uh, one journalist who's doing some investigative journaling for National Geographic um, had this to say. Today, the only rule is that there are no rules. Cruelty is flaunted. Violence is a showcase, a media event. Los Zetas, one of the main cartels, have understood the importance of the web to their success. They often record killings, tortures, decapitations, their signature method, and upload the videos to YouTube. The body of one's enemy is spared no humiliation because it serves as a warning for the living. Sometimes the genitals of the victims are cut off and put in their mouths. One time, the face of a man was even removed and sewn onto a soccer ball. That's the, the grim reality of the price that people pay 
for our desires for illegal products like cocaine. And it's not slowing down either. Um, Mexico reported last year that 2019 was the highest ever year for murders around this stuff. Um, just a couple of months ago, and again, just to warn you, this is, this is a bit shocking. Just a couple of months ago in Mexico City, there were 19 cartel members murdered. Nine of them had their bodies strung up along a bridge in the middle of town with a banner telling other cartels to watch out. There's no way around it. This, this comes at a massive cost. You know, today, actually, a small amount of the cocaine that we consume here in the UK can be synthesized, so made in a lab. You might think, oh, okay, well, that must be fine then. No one's getting hurt. But uh, again, in this European Monitoring Centre report, they said that 15 murders uh, happened last year uh, in Ireland uh, because of gang crime around uh, the trafficking of cocaine. Uh, there was uh, one example of someone in, I think it was Portugal, uh, a severed head left on someone's doorstep. There's a massive price that's paid for this. And you might say, hey, look, I get it off the dark web. Uh, someone, you know, something like MDMA, totally synthesized. Someone makes it in a lab, sends it over to me. But we've got to ask ourselves the tough question. Am I really going to trust someone from the dark web, uh, the place where the most commonly bought and sold things are child pornography and guns? Am I really going to trust that? Is that? Am I really being honest with myself if I think that's a wise decision to make, that's an okay decision to make? And you could even say, hey, look, I know it's bad, but look at the meat industry, the way that's destroying the planet. We need to cut back on our meat, and that's making just as much damage to people, to animals, everything. And, and yeah, you're right. And we're going to look at that next week. Sam Cook next week is putting the sausage rolls into sex drug sausage rolls. We're going to examine that. We're going to ask some tough questions about that. But there's no way of getting out of the fact that our desires for illegal drugs cause massive damage to other people. There's no vegan cocaine. There's no fair trade cocaine. It's not a thing. And it's not judgmental to say these things. I really don't want to come across like that. I don't want you to feel that. But this is what we have to know when we're looking at the honest truth. When we look at the science, we look at the facts, we look at what's going on in the world. That's the cost of our desires for this stuff. And you know, even alcohol, one in 10 beds uh, in the NHS uh, is supposedly taking up because of alcohol abuse, misuse of alcohol. So that can even be, you know, you go on a night out, you have a few drinks, you have a fall, you break your arm, you need to be in a bed overnight. Overall, you're fine. But actually, is it really loving for us if we are uh, using up the resources of an understaffed, underfunded NHS that stretched the breaking point um, because we just want to have a bit more of a good time? Uh, is that really loving? Is that even wise? I'm not sure. Now, here's the big idea that I want to I I read to us. It's this. When it comes to drugs and alcohol, we need to be wise, to be loving, and to be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's entirely true that there's no condemnation in Christ. For whoever we are here, whatever your experience is, you are known and loved so much more than you could ever understand by Jesus, just as you are, without changing anything. Your past does not define you. Your current situation does not define you. You are loved, full stop. That is it. There's no buts, no ifs. You are loved. We need to act wisely and act in love. And I think Hannah's story was an incredible uh, incredible demonstration of what happens when we do that. 
um, when we don't get drunk on wine, but we're filled with the Spirit. Filled with God's Spirit. And it's a continuing thing. It's just being filled. It's not be filled once and then kind of get on with it. Uh, God's Spirit is always available to us. Whenever we call, He is always going to answer. So actually, that's what I want to do now. I want to take some time and we're going to pray through this. Um, And there's three groups of people I want to pray for primarily. There's also always, um, if there's anything else you want to pray for, um, we always want to um, kind of help you do that as well. So no pressure on that. But I want to pray firstly for those of you who um, maybe you've got a bit more of a serious problem around this. And um, to be clear, you know, this isn't counseling we're offering now. And this is a chance to receive ministry by the Holy Spirit. But um, to tell you again, you're known, you're loved, you're seen just as you are, but we don't want to leave you just as you are. We want to help you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, So those people, I also want to pray for those of us who, maybe it's not super serious stuff, but you're kind of examining the way that maybe you treat alcohol and night out and saying, do you know what, I'm actually, I'm kind of selling Jesus short the way that I live my life. And I just want a bit of help by the Holy Spirit. To, uh, to, to improve the way that I'm acting and to be a better representative of Jesus. Thirdly, I want to pray for those of us who maybe you have listened to this and thought, well, great, I don't do any of that bad stuff. I guess I'm kind of fine. Uh, but then the more you think about it, you think, oh, actually, hang on a minute. My city is the European capital of cocaine. Uh, if I'm at UWE, then a, a massive amount of people in my university are on MDMA, which is harming people, which isn't wise or loving. I'm not sure I'm okay with that. And for those of you who are feeling like that and think, actually, I, I want to stand up against this. And what does it mean? Paul says in that verse that we looked at, where we are children of the light, all of us, those who are part of this church, those who are part of any church, we are children of the light. And what does it mean to shine the light into dark places? It means to be in those places. You know, you might think, well, okay, so Matt did this talk and he's telling us to not go to Blue Mountain or Lakota or whatever, or Love Saves the Day. And it's the opposite. I'm saying go there, you know, as long as it's um, kind of safe and appropriate for where you're at with these issues, we need to be there. Because those are the places uh, where the people that need the light are. Jesus was constantly being accused of being a drunk and a a glutton, a glutton and a drunk. And I'm fine if my reputation gets stomped on in the mud. Because if we really believe that Jesus is here for everyone no matter what, then our worth, our value comes from being known and loved by him, not what other people think of us. So would you stand with me?